When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Dumb money is over, but here on Post Show Recaps Theater, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone. I'm joined by somebody who had to invest billions of dollars into my company. It's Ariel. Ariel, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm the stupidest money around, so <laughs> I'm glad. I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, I'm de- I don't know if I'm dumb money. I'm definitely not smart money. So Yeah, yeah I... Mm-hmm. I'm still not convinced that I'm not, but I know I just, it just sounds right. It just sounds right that I am. Yeah. Um, we're talking dumb money, uh, new drama featuring Paul Dano, uh, directed by Craig, uh, Gillespie, who's also done I, Tanya and Cruella. Um, some, some, some notable movies of, of the past. Um, this movie released in select theaters a bit. It's expanding wide on, uh, September 29th, which is the day we're dropping this podcast. You might've seen it or you might be going to check it out. So we'll do a little bit of a, a spoiler free recap up top and then we'll dive into spoilers and uh, to make sure you get more recommendations for us about movies you should watch. And if you watch them, you can get our delightful insight, posterrecaps.com slash movies. 
Ariel, this is a movie that's in the vein of sort of, you know, um, I feel like, uh, was it, uh, the sh- what's this one that was with uh, Adam McKay? Wow, this is a bad start. The short list. No, no, big short. The, the short big stop. short. Yeah, the, <laughs> the big movie sh- about baseball. The short. Yeah, the big shortstop. We all remember that one. Um, yeah, this like financial movie, but this one has such a feel of like the little guy up against the big guy. Um, would you make it dumb money? Spoiler free, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, reminiscent a little bit of uh, of the social network in parts the, with some of the, like the synth sounds and the name of the, the book is called business. the anti-social network. And I was going to say, yes, yeah. and I didn't even know that till after that the book that it's based on is called The Anti-Social Network. Yeah. Um, I, I really like this movie. I think it's a great cast. I think it's it's hard sometimes when you're dealing with dense subject matter that a lot of people aka myself know not that much about and then you want to be not too over explainy but also you kind of have to help the audience along a little bit a wonderful wonderful cast pretty stacked across the board we'll call them out by name i think that it was a it was a wonderful time at the movies i i kept thinking like how much longer is this movie going to go on for? But I was really enjoying it. Like the, so the movie fi- simultaneously felt long and quick. Like I was compelled and interested the entire time, basically. And I was, I just kept feeling like it was going to end all of a sudden and I wasn't going to get like some resolution. Uh, but I think it does a good job of, of, of explaining a lot of the things that went on. I know I've read some stuff of like, you know, it's not that simple and other things happen. I'm sure it's not that simple because you know, maybe I could have pulled something off like this, but I think it's, it's a, it stands on the shoulders of, you know, the, uh, the, the biopics of scandals, if you will, of not particular people of like Mm -hmm. big, uh, you know, generational touch points and moments of things that people were around for that people remember. Like this was a thing obviously as, as featured in the movie eventually hit the news and you're, you kind of, had at least heard about it, even if you didn't really understand what was going on. So I think it was a fun time in the movies. Would you? Yeah. I think what's interesting is that this is such recent history. This is January of 2021, essentially a little bit before that. Like basically um, it really culminates in some stuff in, in early 2021, but it's, it's sort of bubbling before that. So it's very interesting to take something so recent and then dramatize it. Right. And, and the fact that it's based on a, uh, a book that was written, I believe, by before the end of that year in 2021, and now being made into a film. I would agree that the movie does a pretty good job of giving a very basic explanation of what happened. And and I can't tell you what the movie is missing in terms of what actually happened. I, I, I literally can't tell you that. I think that <laughs> for me, I both liked some of the swings they took in the movie to make this a movie that's not just about our main character, Paul Dano, but also all these other people who were looped in in a way that this GameStop thing, I have friends who bought GameStop uh, uh, stock during this time. And there was this real pressure about are we all holding the line or are we going to sell it and make profits but as soon as we start selling it it defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do which we can get into sort of the spoiler section uh, of the movie but essentially just trying to cost billionaires a bunch of money essentially make them lose money and i so the fact that this is so recent i think it does in some ways do a good job showcasing how this was such a community effort how there was this um groundswell movement for this thing to happen i think at the same time 
I think that maybe does a little bit of a disservice to some of like, I feel like nobody really gets a full story told in, in this, in this movie, maybe other than Paul Dano's character, I feel like sort of gets a complete arc and everybody else is kind of in the movie. Like also ran. Yeah. So I think that in some ways the movie captures a feeling that I think works well for it. And maybe that makes it an effective movie. And in other ways, I, I kind of want more from the movie if that makes any sort of sense at all. And I don't know that it does. No, I think, I think it does make sense because ultimately, you know, as much as I enjoyed them, I literally just watched it today. As much as I enjoyed the movie, am I going to be thinking about it in six months you know, like it's, it's, it, it, it kind of, I think a little bit to your point, it kind of gets lost in the mix of these other kinds of movies of like, oh, that thing happened. And then they're going to put a, they're basically creating a fictionalized version of real life events. And that was a really fun time. And wow, I'm so interested in the story. I'm going to do some Googling and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like, it's not as much as I enjoyed everybody who's in it and I'll, you know, be happy to talk about some particular moments that the, that uh some of these characters get into it's it was like a you know it's like a solid like b for me like wow that was that was really good everybody who's who who showed up to work to do this did a good job and then but does it differentiate itself that much i think it's like a completely different uh example as far as the real life events but this is kind of what i'm saying right now is kind of how i felt about the movie she said which was like this was a tremendously interesting movie and obviously about like harrowing terrible events but did the in this in the sense of like how did this movie stand out from the genre that it has sprung from and is supposed to represent how did it differentiate itself it didn't do that much or anything like super super special to make it like an a plus for me, she said is a really interesting comp. And the reason I think I come out liking she said a lot more, and this is tough because I talked about this being a recent history event. This is two years ago. Right. Um, it's really hard to know how much of an impact this had. This was certainly a yeah. big thing at the time. And we'll talk about what happens to some people who are involved in this, but in this, in the way that the, that the, she said, which is documenting, um, publishing an article about Harvey Weinstein's um, uh, assault allegations, which have now proven to be true. Um, that like Harvey Weinstein is without a doubt, a catalyst moment in our society in which men who were protected by Hollywood are no longer going to be as protected as they have been, especially if your crimes are that egregious, because I don't think that Hollywood has completely changed in a way that I don't know that there is that much that has changed about wall street and how wall street runs that is based off of gamestop and that's tough because this is a thing that happened two years ago and so the idea of like the legacy of this thing happening that's or like what happened as a result of this is really hard to tell within two years i know the movie does like put the you know puts the title cards it's like this is what happened to these people and some of the things it's not great it's like it is and, and i mean it's not great as in it's not great for them personally it is good for probably society as a large that there's like one less billionaire in the world or whatever. But at the same time, I don't feel like 
you know, it's just so hard to know if if this, you know, GameStop thing, if this like, you know, if we see another thing that happens because of GameStop, then I kind of feel like that almost vindicates dumb money more because it's like, yeah, this is the thing that like was the catalyst for them to keep to, like, you know, Wall Street bets to keep doing this thing over and over again in a way that it does feel sort of singular and one off in the way dumb money works and maybe didn't have institutional change in the way that I think a lot of these other movies due to obviously having more time between the movie and the thing that happened to be able to talk about the legacy of that thing. So, yeah, I think the movie would allege that things that this, and certainly by the manner in which the movie leaves off and there are all those like little title cards and it gives the information, like you said, of what these characters are up to. And then like, you know, at the end, like nothing has ever been the same again, kind of message that you get. And I would say it depends. Again, I don't know that much about it. And there were, and there are like, there were things that bubbled up to the surface of like things that were starting to maybe be this, but never quite uh, match this level. So you, you know, you could argue that this just created the opportunity for things to happen, but also as usual, once, once you figure out in this case, uh, the main character, once the main character kitty what was his name motor uh roaring kitty roaring kitty i was a yeah. motor kitty or massive once, effing value or massive value once that uh cat was out of the bag so to speak mm -hmm. and that way to game the system was revealed you know there was a change that was made that made that more more difficult to do as the movie tells us at the end so yeah but the movie title know, remains, card is like remains to be seen i guess spoiler but it says now hedge funds have to really think twice about doing sh short squeezes Spoiler alert, they're still doing short squeezes. Mm -hmm. So I think it didn't really, really actually change. It's really cool. It's a really cool thing that happened. I just yeah. don't know that it like is revolutionary, but alas. We'll it was if they allowed it to happen, but as because true. they didn't allow it to happen. Yeah. It's true. Okay, let's uh, let's spill the PSRT here on, on dumb money. So as we mentioned, Roaring Kitty, aka Keith Gill, is played by Paul Dano. He sort of has a streaming channel, unclear whether it seems like he's probably on Twitch. And it's also like in conjunction with r slash wall street bets which is a reddit channel that talks mm -hmm. about trading stocks and he believes in gamestop as a stock and he he invests his life savings fifty five thousand dollars into gamestop stock much to the disbelief of one of his hedge fund friends and one of the things i really love about this movie is that every single character who appears for a significant amount of time in the movie uh their name appears and then their net worth appears uh beside yeah. them a really fun oh, at thing. the beginning so, and at the end yeah yeah so roaring kitty at the beginning is like ninety-eight thousand dollars uh, net worth and then we're going to meet some some pretty famous billionaires but meanwhile some people start to follow suit and buy gamestop stock including uh jennifer who Played by America, and, um, uh, sorry, America Ferreira, um, who is a single mom uh, and a nurse. We have college students Riri and Harmony, played by uh, Malia Harold and Talia Ryder, who are these um, you know struggling college students uh, who are many thousands of dollars in debt because of their college loans. And then we have GameStop store clerk Marcus, played by Anthony Ramos. Uh, GameStop stock soars despite it being shorted by CEOs, which basically they don't ever really explain shorting other than the idea that people have paid bet a lot of money that companies will fail. And if they fail, they make money off of that. And basically the movie says that they can lose money to infinity if the cost of the stock keeps rising. And this yeah. is what is happening to Gabe Plotkin, uh, played by Seth Rogen. Um, and then he also has two billionaire friends, Steve Cohen, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, and Ken Griffin, 
played by Nick Offerman, not Ken Griffey, uh, the baseball player. He was an outfielder. Every time his name appeared, I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah. (laughs) So as the price rises, as the GameStop stock rises in value, each of the buyers struggle whether or not to sell or to have what our slash Wall Street bet says you have to have diamond hands, which means you hold. And ultimately, yeah. You put the diamond hands on. Ultimately, people hold. The stock continues to rise. Um, Keith's stock becomes worth literally millions of dollars. His brother, played by Pete Davidson, is telling him, you're an idiot and you need to sell. His parents are like, you should sell. But him and his wife agree they're going to hold because they think that it can go higher. Um, Gabe begins losing literally billions of dollars, but ultimately he's bailed out by Steve and Ken. He gets a cash infusion. And then there's also the storyline, the the way people are buying stock is through Robinhood. And um, there are these two co-owners of Robinhood, um, uh, Vlad Tenev and um, the other guy's name, uh, Baiju Bot. And these are played by Rushi Koda and, uh, and Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan in particular, uh, a delight in this movie. Um, and they actually end up, stopping people from buying stock essentially there's a whole thing where like they're going to owe a bunch of money as like people are using robin hood and they just like stop the stock from rising and people wonder whether this is um some of these hedge funds who have shorted the stock asking robin hood to stop uh both uh keith uh, and gabe are subpoenaed by congress um and and basically the movie sort of wraps up with this idea that like even though these hedge funds are um, losing money they're sort of able to sustain themselves but the GameStop mo- movement sort of continues to grow. The actually the, the appearances in Congress actually caused the stock to double again in prices. Um, Gabe's company eventually closed in 2020, I think after he had lost $6.8 billion. Um, Keith uh, stops being on our stress Wall Street bets. He stops really posting his Warren Kitty, but seemingly also made a ton of money off the GameStop um, uh, uh, success. And um, yeah, alas, that's, that's sort of dumb money. Did I sort of miss anything that I, I feel like the, the ending is kind of abrupt as you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think the, he's, he, he leaves the public eye and then he's like, the way the movie ends is like, he's still holding, right? Like he still believes in the stock. He even mentions it. I do like the way the movie ends of like, it shows some of the real life people. I love when these movies do this. It just yes. makes it that much more interesting. They show the, the real life, like, uh, Congress, congressional uh, yeah, we saw meetings that took place over Zoom. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, AOC. Uh, and, you know, cut with a lot easier to cut to fake the Zoom meetings with the actors yeah, than it would have been to, like, put in the real actors at, like, the real congressional hearing. Um, but I, that was one thing that I meant to look up. And then, as I kind of alluded to before, you know, it becomes less and less important of, like, what ended up happening with Keith Gill, who is Roaring Kitty, and like as far as his investment, did he sell? You know, at the end of the movie, he's he's I think he's only only in quotes has like seventeen million at that point because he had had so much when the stock was at its high, and like, did he make money? What was the resolute? You know, do are, is this stock even around still? I know it is. Um, I. So there were things that left me interested, which I think is any good movie is going to make you continue to think about the thing. But uh, it's hard, I think, a little bit to your point, too, with how recent it is. How do you stop it? You're like, OK, and now remains to be seen. Like, what's the like, what's the the final sign off? You know, it's hard to kind of find a natural end point. But um yeah, no, I don't think uh, I don't think you miss anything. I'm excited to talk about some of these some of these people. 
So I mean the the thing that's interesting about the movie is that you have Roaring Kitty Keith Gale he's a he's he's a real person he is the person who sort of drove this idea there's a, a clip that gets used a lot in the movie of him saying I just like the stock I just like yeah. it um and it's sort of like um so it's him and then obviously uh Gabe Plotkin and Steve Cohen who has become pretty famous in my circles because he he bought the New York Mets and just infused it with money um and 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 Ken Griffin as well oh, i didn't know that was that steve Cohen. that's fascinating yes um so he's wearing a mets hat in a lot of the movie as you might, oh, as you might I, notice. he yeah yeah but so these I'm are like, real the whole time i'm like wow it's vincent <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know i think this real steve cohen is a little bit of a like he's like slimmer guy whatever i don't know if the I, but i thought he was very good vincent yeah, but, yeah there i don't think there's anybody who's bad in this movie it mixes these real life people who are involved within these fictional versions of people who would have been affected and involved in this thing. And that's where we get America Ferreira and uh, Malia Harold, Talia Ryder and Anthony Ramos specifically are like the four people and the three groups of people who are sort of the, the, the stand in for the people who were like the mo the movement behind this, the diamond hands, um, uh, uh, people um and i thought that that's an interesting choice to sort of take uh to to be a biopic essentially but then to like infuse it with fictionalized things and not that we haven't seen this before i was uh recently covering winning time and there's a whole character that's like basically just an amalgamation of of other people and is a completely fictionalized person but like they took, yeah they took um multiple people and like basically put them all together to make one person you don't deserve a whole character we're gonna make you an amalgamation. well the best part is that it's uh jerry buss's wife uh, uh like like girlfriends basically they all like amalgamate into one into one character oh, so so this is not like that unusual of a thing i think for me it is where i feel like there was the most potential and the movie doesn't um sort of land there and and part of this is that this is where I'm talking about the impact that this movie kind of wants to have about what this moment meant. And it's maybe too soon to be able to do that because while some of these people, I think Jennifer does make some money is able to pay off some of her debt. I think they're all kind of come out of it. Like, okay, even if not, but there were people I have to assume that, that, did, that, that came up poorly because of this GameStop thing. And this was like a little bit, I think that's why there was congressional hearings because there's this idea that like dumb money is looked down upon, which I, I don't agree with. And I think the idea of short selling is absolutely awful and should not be able to exist as a concept. Like I, I just, I just believe that, that like you shouldn't be able to make money off the failure of uh, a company and an organization. And so, um, I mean, I just have lots of problem with capitalism in general, but at the same time, I think the congressional hearings wanted to make sure that like, it's not just like whether or not like what what was illegal happening here, which like did Robin Hood get influence? Like that's something that should have been investigated as well. But also to make sure that like this thing that happened doesn't happen and that people actually end up like losing money at, because the the whole most of the um tension in the movie, I feel like never really resolves itself in the idea that like when should you sell this money? And when should you sell the stocks? And when do you do it at a point that, because basically selling undermines the entire goal of the thing, which is to cause. Right. Um, the more, it, the more people you have who are not selling, the more, the higher the stock rises. And the more that these billionaires are losing money who have shorted the thing. And yeah. yet I think that um, probably the best voice of this is America Ferreira's um, coworker, who I absolutely loved. And I want to pull up the, uh, uh, 
Chris, name. Larry Owens. Yeah, so funny, so good in this movie. Um, but he's basically saying, like, you fool, like, sell before everyone else does. Like, don't lose your money on this. Like, like, yes, on one hand, like, there is principle to it. And on the other hand, like, this is your life savings or, like, you are in debt and this could get you out of debt. Like, do it now before, you know, um, somebody else just does it in, instead. And so I feel like that tension to me never really gets resolved or clarified because there had to be people in this GameStop thing that lost money off of this endeavor and maybe all those people are saying but it was it was worth it to put gay plucking out of business and if you say that then kudos to you and that's that's great but i'm sure there are also people who like actually suffered from buying gamestop stock at a really high price and then losing a bunch of money <laughs> lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and I think the the Jenny character is the closest thing to failure that we see and her, she, it, it, it amounts to, she basically nets zero. Like she's still in it and you know, she lost a lot of money in the sense of she lost from where the stock was and the amount of money that she could have made. Um, but ultimately she hasn't, she's not able to, to cash out so she's like kind of still waiting and at the end of the movie she gets her little just like everybody else she gets her little like net net worth what is now versus what it was at the beginning of the movie and it's a little higher but i think to your point there were for sure people who whether they bought in early or not spent a lot of money and kept holding 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 and then they lost everything in a sense or like they definitely lost more they they weren't even in a position where they could break even they literally lost money it lost their investment and i think it would be a little bit not as triumphant of a movie if they included too much of that so i think they're trying to kind of split the difference a little bit with the with the america Ferrera character that's fair because they want they want the underdogs to to feel like it won but i think the thing that's like a little bit like disingenuous about that is that like i don't think the solution comes within the structures that like capitalism has built right right so yeah. part of me is like age-old question Right. So the idea that like all these, you know, that that, oh, these people are successful. And basically the movie is like 
not fully not really advocating but like the idea that this could happen again i feel like is like not the solution the solution is like you know and and you know gay blocking goes out of like uh, you know he loses 6.8 billion dollars um i think is it clarity what is the name of his company i don't know uh citadel is the name citadel of, uh, well well right blocking's uh, company is that like boring name but uh yeah. Kevin griffin's company is citadel Yes. So, you know, a company goes out of business and that's great that they can't like, you know, abuse, but like that is such a small drop in the pond compared to like what's happening in the fact that like, yeah, Steve Cohen and Ken Griffin are still immensely rich and can can keep doing this and probably are still doing this. I think that's a little bit where I walk away from the movie feeling like I don't know if it like it's a very fun idea of this thing happening and it did happen. And it was kind of like, you know, the thing on the internet for like about a month. And so I get the appeal to, to do it and want to tell that story. And I think to your point, that's why they choose these fictionalized characters and what their stories are, are ones that are, you know, not the most successful, but also not the most devastating uh, thing to have happened. So, and maybe I don't know enough about the GameStop thing to know that like, maybe there weren't a lot of people who lost money and people were impacted negatively and and if it was at the expense of a billionaire who cares but that's just like i just feel like the movie tries to wrap it up neatly and it's like this is what its historical context was i don't know that things have changed a whole lot and in fact the way that keith gill goes about making change is not how i would think that the change to wall street <laughs> is gonna happen you know no so, yeah I no know. i think it's if anything it shows that it's all, you know, in some ways it's like the, the government, certain people only got involved because the billionaires were paying attention and because more importantly, the billionaires were being shorted and getting effed basically. So like the, the idea, I think that the movie does not shy away from too much uh, to its credit about that, like nothing changed. Like they, you know, the, the, the commission got together, put a report and the report was no notes or it amounted yeah. to no change, like whatever, even if, and that includes, you know, somebody who could have written like a really scathing uh, piece in the report about like how this is on, on, uh, you know, unethical or whatever. But ultimately if you're reading between the lines, it's like, yeah, the SCC or whoever, whatever the governing body was stepped in and, the way the system works and is put in place, it's to protect the, I mean, you're getting into like a, some other territory here with like, you know, Congress people and lobbyists and who's working for who and all kinds of like messy, awful crap that we have on this side of the border grace, <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, you know, nothing really changed. And as much as this exposed a weakness in the system and in a way in which the system could be exploited against the people who are already exploiting the system uh it just seems like they patched it up right like there was a there was a hemorrhage in this place that they didn't know about and now they put a fancy titanium band-aid on it and that's never going to happen again probably not in this way certainly because now they're always scouring the internet like the movie says yeah. and looking for these trends and making sure that they're ahead of the game and they probably hire people now to like be in charge of looking at this kind of stuff or even i I don't think my job. I, that's what I do. That's I don't, what I do. I don't mm -hmm. think companies are above this, even like being paid to like purposely lead people astray, right? Of like, let's create like a false that sounds horrible, but like, let's create like a false, uh, a false GameStop situation where people think it's a thing and it's not. I mean, it's yeah, uh, unfortunately, nothing would surprise me.
Yeah. So that's sort of my like critique of the like writing plot of the movie. The acting is phenomenal in this movie. It's so good. Down the line, I think everybody is cast perfectly in the role yeah. that they were to play. Paul Dano is Keith Gill. I love Paul Dano. I think he's he's so he's so great. I think he's amazing. His uh, uh, wife Carolyn is played by Sh- uh, Shailene Woodley. Um, I know from like Big Little Lies, um, mm-hmm. and um, there's been a bunch of stuff. She she is really good. I thought as well. But then you have like the rich billionaires: Seth Rogen, uh, Nick Offerman, Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, um, you have Sebastian Stan as the Robin Hood guy, and then all the 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 folks who are cast as the you know GameStop buyers um, with America Ferrera. Um, Anthony Ramos and then uh, Malia Harold and um, uh, Talia Ryder, all great. They're all the, the, everybody is giving such a good performance. I think I don't think there's anybody that I was like I did not enjoy watching in this movie. I thought it was a delight. Pete Davidson even as as Keith's brother who eats all the Uber Eats or whatever DoorDash. Horrible, yeah. a horrible, horrible <laughs> look for Pete Davidson. I hated his character, and I guess you can say that that means he's doing a good job because he's just like. So many times he's doing annoying, annoying, awful I give- stuff. The least of the least of which yeah. is him saying him taking the food, like you're saying. Well, the best line, my favorite line of, of from him in the movie is like his mom is saying that uh, delivery service is not a job, and he says, "I'm a frontline worker." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about during that. COVID. I'm a frontline worker. Um, yeah. Speaking of their parents, played by Kay Burton, uh, May uh, Meredith Grey's mother, yes. famously from Grey's Anatomy, and Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown been all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his voice, in some cases, you know, a, a prolific voice actor as well as, uh, you know, I feel like people know his voice and sometimes don't even know his name. Um, I agree. A wonderful, wonderful stacked cast. Uh, Dane DeHaan, who plays, you know, a small role, plays uh, Anthony Ramos's boss. Also, so f- when they when when the uh, the theater note because I saw this first. Do you want to drink uh, a tiff? I saw this at tiff <laughs> when people noticed in a full theater that he had a little rat tail. The audience like I so funny. when he turned around and I saw it, I like. I kind of squirmed in my chair. I felt like it was too close. Like it, the rat tail was too close to me. I needed to like. It's hard to tell who, more distance who he's going to be because he's wearing the mask and he's kind yes, of giving yes. off this like he's the boss, right? And he's like, and yeah, I, and I, I don't kind know. of recognize yeah. his voice, but I'm like, who is that? Who is but, that? But also just like, what is he like? Like, because he by the end he's like he is working at GameStop. He's got a rat tail. He's got braces. He's like, is that a sex thing? When he's talking about like a short squeeze. Oh, gross. Um, but you don't really know, like, because at first, when you first meet him, you kind of think he's going to be like professional, but bo- like he's like kind of like smarmy boss, right? Like, and he, he is a little bit in that way, but not cool boss, like, no, like, no, 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 yeah, no. uncool boss, yeah, very not cool. And there's yeah. like the whole the whole way in which Anthony Ramos's character like plays him in the beginning, certainly, where he's just saying all the things that he wants to hear, but like completely disingenuously, but also you can't really tell what uh like if he means it or not is like classic retail worker behavior stuff I well, also as singing former, as a former retail worker singing that song that i don't know the name of and i'm not cool enough to know it mm-hmm. bougie uh, 
Oh, Matt, that's yeah, 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 yeah. The when, uh, Megan the Stallion. When he know. is doing the TikTok dance in front yes, of his Yes, it's boss. pretty good. And it's he has to take good. off his mask to do it. I'm like, yes, take it off to show us the dance. Anthony Ramos constantly, like his mask not quite fitting enough and constantly like pulling it up a little bit, I thought was a uh, oh. perfect COVID performance. Yes, um, because you're not, you're wearing like a cloth. This is, yeah. don't even get me started on this, but you're wearing a t-shirt and like it fits like a t-shirt on your face yeah. like you need anyway that's just constantly the little <laughs> i was putting it back up over your nose yeah if your mask can fall like that by itself yeah, yeah. oh then you shouldn't be wearing it um do you know these I, all the, in the midst of like mass mandates some of the masks not great not yeah great. there was you know there was all they sprinkled this into the movie and there was all this stuff of like you know the the two girls are in class and you know they need to have their mask and there's all this social distancing like i think on the back of that there is to your to your point that you keep making about like that it hasn't been that long in some ways it felt like it had been so long ago but then you look at the paper and you're like wow that's only you know two years ago in some cases or three years ago uh it's it's a different place it's a different place back then the world is yeah yeah but yeah i think um yeah it's just excellently cast uh sebastian stan as vlad tenev being just being an idiot yeah. I, I was telling you this before we started recording that i happened to be watching i tanya because they were showing it on one of the hbo yes. channels yes and uh you know same director mm -hmm. also shares a sebastian stan uh there's one sebastian stan in that movie as well playing a bigger idiot arguably in uh, I Jeff guess Lulee, Lulee. right? Yes. Yeah. There are some ways in which he's you could you could make the case either way of like these two idiot people that he's playing. Uh, I love like Nick Offerman. He doesn't have that much to do, but I just love how he always looks like he's having fun. Yes. He just I love watching him when he's having fun. I'm having fun. He plays such a great jerk, like clean, a rare like clean cut Nick Offerman yeah. appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, he sells it well. And yeah, just like the one of the worst people in this movie. And then when you see how the guy, the real guy looks, you're like, that guy does not deserve to be played by Nick Offerman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Paul Dano, like I arguably like yeah. a, a, a more muted role for him, right? Than some of the stuff we've seen recently, no less impressive necessarily, but like a little less uh, eccentric. Sometimes we see him play. What do you think? He's been playing a little bit. I mean, he yeah, he did have like Swiss Army Man and and the and he, obviously the Riddler in in uh, in the Batman. But he's he's Burt Fableman in the Fablemans, and now he's in he's in here. In, That's in right. Oh, yeah. What a thankless role. Yeah, but I <laughs> and I mean I, that as the father figure of the family. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked him. I thought he was really good. I thought his the way he's being very cringeworthy and yet is I'm so endeared by him is a tremendous tremendous testament to paul dano in that role because i think my my least favorite part of the movie is how much like tiktoky reddity it gets at times where we're basically just watching like like clips of tiktok accounts yeah it, it seems like at some points we're literally just watching uh you know different versions of TikTok. and you know i part of me wants to be like yeah, I guess you use the R word because that's what they're using and they're being self-deprecating. But I'm also like, oh, it's so it makes me so uncomfortable to sit in the movie. And so I think it, there's a way in which this builds over to the line where like who they, they cast somebody to play Keith Gill and it does not work. And I just thought Paul Dano is cast pretty brilliantly. And maybe it's it is due to like Pete Davidson 
being pretty un, uh, unlikable as, as Kevin Gill, his brother, I feel like just the two of them side by side, like Keith, Keith is this like YouTube streamer guy on, on wall street bets. But then also like, there is a scene where like, you know, it's pretty much they, they lost their sister during COVID. Right. And they go mm-hmm. as a family and that's where like, they're literally fighting in the back seat. Uh, one of the funniest laugh lines of the movie too, is when he says, um, um, oh God, he's, uh, you're trying to be Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Warren. Warren and that's not even what I'm doing. He's like, who cares, man? And then he's like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. You're not either Buffett. Like, no, you don't care. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he, David said, but yes, this this like yeah. sibling reaction. You have siblings as well. Yes. Uh this sibling interactions were very uh were seemed very true to life in some in some senses. Yeah, so I think most of the me liking the movie is actually so much on Paul Dano. And 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 the again, I think the performances down the line are really good. And then I think like this is one of those movies where like I had a really fun time watching it. And I've seen it twice. And I liked it both times. And then I kind of feel like when I'm walking away from it is when I start to be like, wait, uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but in the th- when I'm watching it, it's very fun. So I think I feel like that's my like biggest takeaway from this movie is that it's a pretty fun time. I don't know that I'm gonna be rewatching it anytime soon. And I don't know whether it tells us that much about this moment's historical legacy but in terms of being a really weird thing that happened for a couple months in like late 2020 early 2021 it kind of captures that feeling i think yeah for me it's i i agree for the most part i think it's the actors are all kind of in this jenga tower and they're all working perfectly and if you take one of them out like i was trying to think if you there are certain roles that if you cast a person that i don't like or is a bad actor that i'm not going to enjoy myself there were people in this movie that i just have a wonderful uh emotional connection to as far as like you know you see somebody in enough movies you're like i love this person i love this actor so it was a combination of i either love the person or love the performance and because it's so strong across the board like you said it's it makes the movie really easy to enjoy and digest in real time and then ultimately you know, like any good meal, you're like, I'll remember it fondly. I'll remember that I had a good time at the mm-hmm. meal. I just won't always remember what was on the plate. If that makes sense. I also think this movie, I talk sometimes about we should do like weird, a weird Emmys where it's like best character name, you know, um, or whatever. I think Dumb Money has a strong case for having the freaking cutest baby I've ever seen in a movie. That baby is so cute. <laughs> they, Grace, that was an AI. <laughs> oh, man. Oh man, that was just a chicken tender. That was a tendy. That was a tendy. <laughs> no, that baby is so freaking cute. I just need people to know this. So that's a cute oh yeah yeah yeah. That yeah. baby is. I just saw that baby walking the strike uh, line oh, for the good. actors. So that's like, good. I stand with this baby. Uh, all right. Well, I think that that's our coverage of Dumb Money. We'll see what we're going to get up to next week. There's lots of movies. I, I actually think I wasn't that long ago, Ariel, that I was like, there's no movies coming out. There's none. There's no movies. And I think I just didn't check Netflix. There's a lot of Netflix movies coming out this fall. So uh, I'm going to say something that yes. uh, a character said on the morning show this week. Uh-huh. She was like, I miss COVID. I miss COVID. And that's how we feel about all these movies coming out. We're like, no, I miss when there was less. Like, can we go back to a simpler time? There is a lot coming out. Like, a oh, lot, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like, there's a week where American Fiction, which, uh, uh, and this is like November, so you don't have to worry about it for a bit. But American Fiction, which yeah, won People's yeah, Choice of Tip, the Marvels and the Killers, which is the David Fincher movie, all come out the same week. And I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. 
We're going to kill yeah. those flower moons. That's that's actually not too far away, and I'm very, very excited. I think that's my most excited. <laughs> I, I thought that's what the Batman. Marvels was about, that they were going to go to the flower moon. <laughs> Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's is uh, making a bold choice to come out the week after Kills of the Flower Moon. That should work out forever, right? That should be fine. Well, they're like, we gotta get it now before, <laughs> otherwise we're missing the whole year. <laughs> well, this is like, uh, we don't have to wait too long for the Exorcist Believer, um, because they colon is, is there yeah. colon? Or... Yeah, yes. yeah. But exactly. they moved up their schedule because uh, Taylor Swift, the Eras tour. Uh, Ariel, I need to ask we to <laughs> peel the curtain a little bit. Um, we have a shared document where we, we sort of try to fill out the calendar and we put things in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe this, maybe this as we're looking, I do currently have on the calendar that, um, the week of, uh, basically, uh, October, <laughs> October 16th. <laughs> yeah. October 15th that we would be covering Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, because it technically is the biggest thing that's going to hit theaters that week. Cause it is the biggest pre-sale of the year. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't bought tickets. I haven't bought tickets. Uh oh, maybe we can't cover it. <laughs> I went to. <laughs> they canceled it. They canceled the tour. Uh, oh. I went to that morning. I remember. I was. It was an innocent time. This is like my dumb money, right? Like I'm on the AMC app, just trying to have a normal everyday experience of buying a movie ticket, and then all of a sudden, I'm standing on a line on a yeah. queue with all these people, yeah. and they're like, "If you need to get your ticket faster, we recommend going to the." Movie yeah, that's why. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Okay, but for real, are we covering... Do you Listen, know how long it is? Do you know how long it is? Uh, I believe it's somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours. I have No, been. it's 2.48, baby. No, stop it. Not Endgame. <laughs> That's what it says on the website. It says 2.48. No, this is too long. Ariel, are we cover I mean, I'm also asking this so that the audience now is like going to tweet mm -hmm. at us and be like, please don't cover it. Or please cover it i think I we'd have like to get a guest i've never been like the most vocal reaction we've ever gotten on anything of people like weighing in on one way or the other i've only ever been to one taylor swift concert and she opened for rascal flats so i mean i don't know what that Incredible. tells you about my you taylor. were there early i was there early when she was a country like music star too when she yeah was like a zygote i do feel like we need a we need a guest for that episode i think uh someone to come talk about taylor. i'm gonna get uh, we can make friendship uh, bracelets well, I was thinking about like maybe we could get Travis Kelsey to come and talk to us. Okay. Yeah. Or, listen, we can cheat and get the other Kelsey and people won't even know. Oh, nice. He seems nicer anyway. Sorry, not yeah. sorry. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if we should be covering, but that's what I have. That's what's I do agree that it's probably the like the biggest pop culture thing that's gonna happen. I I don't want to commit to it right now. What if people don't go watch Killers of the Flower Moon because they're just watching Taylor Swift, the Eras tour? Like, like, wait, it's not, the movie hasn't finished yet. They just keep looping this Taylor Swift movie. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll we shall see. Oh, yeah, next, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next week, there's lots, there's lots coming out. Uh, Saw the creator comes out. Uh, I believe Reptile drops on Netflix. So, so. Yeah, that famous rapper Saw the Creator. <laughs> uh huh. So we'll see. We'll see what we're covering. It'll be a surprise when it pops up in your feed. But in the meantime, Ariel, what else you got going on? And where can people find you? Ay, ay, ay. I am on Twitter at that other Ariel. I'm covering sex education with Jess Sterling and Adam H. Super fun and sad that it's over. Well, over if you watch, you know, we're, we're almost uncovering it. Uh, but if you haven't binge, it's still there waiting for you. The final season covering Tales from the Loop with you and DM Philly. And uh, covering the morning show with you. Yes, the actual morning show. Uh, yeah, the morning news we cover. We're the like, morning, morning America. And then we do live with Kelly. <laughs> we and whatever. Where I just read from the newspaper. <laughs> but it's the obituary. So people don't seem to like oh, it. No. Uh, I do the classifieds. That's for me. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, um, I think everything I'm oh, I'm, I'm covering Yellowstone with uh, with Rich as they air it on CBS weekly. So we'll see how long that lasts because uh, the writer's strike ended, the actors are still on strike, but we shall see. And then this week will be a week where you'll get to see many trailers coming for me. I believe uh, Jess Sterling and I have a show that uh, we'll be launching beginning next week, as well as uh, our flag means death of is returning. So the crew will get back together for that. I'm on socials at High From Grace. We'll be back next week with some form of movie coverage. Until then, I'm Grace, that's Ariel, and we are Pro Show to Catch the Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.